0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight the rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers the 308, the 270, the 28 Nozzler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com. Again for another podcast episode, and so are you. Thank you for being here. This is episode number 52, and my guest today is Brian Evie. This podcast episode is a little bit different. Brian is someone who I feel is a very good photographer, and I wanted to get him on the podcast because, as we know, as popularity has grown in the past and it continues to grow with Instagram and social media. You know, I feel that this is the positive and the optimistic side of me that photography has really brought and shown and told stories of, uh, you know, my fellow anglers and hunters in the field, you know, maybe bring new light to the mainstream or folks who have never known too much about hunting and fishing in the past have now maybe seen on Instagram through good photos and good storytelling through photos, you know, what it's all about and maybe hopefully change their perspective and get more folks into or into fishing or into hunting. Just my opinion, just my optimism. Um, but anyways, I picked up a camera probably, I don't know, two years ago. I listen, my photos are nothing compared to Brian's I'm not that good of a photographer, but I enjoy learning and pushing myself to become a better photographer. Uh, and I think I wanted to have Brian on the podcast to kind of tell his story about how he got into it. Brian hasn't been, you know, doing photography for that long, but he's shot way up super fast in my opinion, and he is taking photos with some of the most famous bass anglers in the world. And it'd be great if you guys could listen to his story because I think you're going to find it very intriguing. And I want Brian to kind of break down the process and kind of the 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 things that he learned throughout you know, learning to shoot photography and what he has found helpful—lenses, bodies, all that kind of stuff—and what cameras to get, and also how to go through the camera and the different settings and what you need to adjust to take that per- perfect photo. So, without any further ado, give it up for my friend Brian Evie. Hope you guys enjoy this one. There you are. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, buddy? Good. How about you? Good. All right. Well. uh, You know, I just want to say first off, thank you for agreeing to do this. This is um, this is something I think I've been wanting to do for a long time uh, to get someone on here with, especially with you know the significance of more and more folks getting into you know trying to take higher quality photos and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, people, I'm super amateur when it comes to any type of photography but i thought it'd be someone it'd be good to get somebody on here who i feel is way you know way above me and of my expertise and uh you could uh help, help us all out and understand it a little bit better
1: yeah yeah absolutely but uh <laughs> i appreciate that i still feel like i'm a pretty novice but oh man
0: if anyone <laughs> listening to this they need to go to your instagram because i think you're <laughs> Your Instagram is pretty dope and it's, uh, Brian Evie underscore photo. Anybody listening right now, head on out there and check them out. But, um, before we get too far down that rabbit hole, uh, tell everybody, you know, a little bit about yourself and, uh, where you, where you kind of grew up and, uh, how you got into fishing.
1: Yeah. So my name's Brian Evie, uh, from Lansing, Michigan. Um, grew up fishing. We had a cottage up in Ionia. So I grew up fishing, uh, just for largemouth bass off the dock. Um, we have pictures of me dragging around stringers when I was younger. So, uh, just bass and crappie and bluegill. So, um, kind of got that passion from there. Um, and then I kind of lost it in high school. I was kind of more focused on other things and, um, uh, of, you know, things that kids in high school do and then, uh, gotten to college and, uh, I met someone. Uh, I played football in college and I had a teammate who was a huge fisherman, who's actually a guide now up in Alpena.
0: Oh, no shit. And, where'd you, where'd uh, you, where'd you yeah,
1: play at? Uh, Central Michigan.
0: Oh, wow. I was, okay.
1: a, I was a kicker there and it just so happened that the other kicker there was a uh, fisherman. So nice. he got me He got me back into it and uh, been pretty much addicted ever since. And, uh,
0: Dude, I'm kind of right there with you and I grew up fishing a ton, you know, as a kid and there's like a period in high school, like you said, like maybe my freshman, sophomore year, a little bit of my junior year where I kind of lost the, I don't know, just so much going on with sports and everything else. And then, um, you know, and then I started to, you know, to fish Erie more and more for walleye my junior and senior year. And then, you know, ever since then, it's been, uh, a, a progression, uh, into what it is now, but I feel you, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I uh I mean, I still fished in high school and hunted, but I just I didn't do it as much as I you know, I go back I look back and I regret not doing it as much, but right. um I've definitely made up for it now cuz I do it all the time right. <laughs> or whenever I can, so. Uh
0: Yeah, you yeah. you seem like a a bass dude for sure, but maybe even a little bit more into smallmouth now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've always been ever since I have t- caught smallmouth, which I was younger when I did before high school. Um, but then in college we, we could there was a river by the uh, Mount in Mount Pleasant, uh Chippewa River and it's full of smallmouth. Yeah. They're not very big, but it's it's full of it and I just ever since that point I've been addicted to it. So That's and then cool. moving up to Traverse City it's been <laughs> pretty pretty special. So
0: Oh man, you're in the Mecca now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's the hardest decision I have is just to um decide where I'm gonna go. Yeah. For there's, the lake.
0: There's, like, a, there's a lot of body of water to break down up there.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I have a hard time
1: to <laughs> having a hard time pick what lake I want uh, to go and fish.
0: Um, so, you know, everybody listening to this kind of knows, but I was up in Traverse City for five years. Yep. I, th- I think you and I just missed each other. Didn't you just recently move up there?
1: Yeah. Uh, two years ago. Yeah. So, two years this, this winter. Yeah.
0: So I just moved back downstate last summer. Um, back to my hometown, and my wife and I and our our, our two little girls came back down to kind of be closer to the family and whatnot but man we I mean we love living up there, and you know I really for me when I was up there, I got pushed out of my comfort zone because coming down from or coming up from Lake Erie kind of area and then coming up to all that clear water up there and you know to go after different species like you know smallmouth and lake trout and salmon all that kind of stuff. I think it definitely pushed me to become a better angler in you know, different diverse bodies of water.
1: Yeah. I mean, it can, it's a lot tougher than I've ever experienced. I mean, I grew up in Lansing, so all the water is pretty, pretty dirty and um, going up there and trying to catch fish in 50 foot of water sometimes. I mean, we've caught them out in 60 feet of water and, uh, you know, that's out of my comfort zone. That's out of a lot of people's comfort zone. You got to be able to fish in 60 foot water where it takes a minute to get down to the bottom or, Yeah. so it's it's definitely uh had its challenges but there's a lot of rewards if you get out of your comfort zone and anything in life but yeah especially in fishing so
0: you know one of my funnest inland lakes to fish up there was uh i was just down the road from it maybe a mile if that was south lake leelanau okay so had a gr- great time on there with uh it, it's a it's a great you know diverse fishery with walleye smallmouth pike um, perch we're getting big in there yep. um, so yeah yeah that's, a, that's never, a fun
1: lake <laughs> yeah if you've
0: never fished there before i I would highly suggest it
1: it's not it's not bad there's i mean there really is a ton of great lakes around there and um you know even the small little largemouth lakes around there that no one seems to go and fish they're unbelievable I mean they're not giant bass but they're just lots of them and there's no fishing pressure cuz the smallmouth likes to get hit so right it's i like to explore I'm a big explorer so when it comes to fishing and um, I like to try different bodies of
0: water um the fun thing too about smallmouth for me I fished them a lot downstate too in the rivers like in um uh the Raisin River and uh, uh mommy and things like that mm-hmm. they're like you said that you know they didn't get very big for you over in Lansing but regardless they always put up a great fight
1: oh they're they're one of the best where I grew up, uh, it's a small town near DeWitt, but, um, just outside of Lansing and there's a little river called the looking glass river and there's smallmouth in that. And that's what I grew up fishing too. And, um, man, they do put up a fight and no matter a one pound bass and then you hook a three pounder and it's, I mean, it fights just like a five or a six pounder up North. It's something with that current in those little bodies of water and not being pressured. So,
0: right. Yeah, that's pretty special yeah that's the other thing too is you know going after them in river systems i i would assume most people know that they are in the rivers but a lot of people might not know um Mm -hmm. it's a fun way to chase them is in the river you know that's especially if you're you're going after whatever trout someday and you can start to learn to it's a good way to learn how to read the river too of like where these fish are hanging and you know why they're in those deeper pockets why are they you know, in, in the headies. Yeah, exactly. Yep, Exactly. And that helped me a lot a little with my, slack water. Yep, Exactly. And that helped me with my river fishing up North, um, yep. you know, for salmon or whatever I was going for up and up in that area. So,
1: yeah, just finding out how they relate in, in a river system. I mean, usually all the fish, fish that are active, like a trout or, a, or a smallmouth or a salmon, they're going to, um, kind of act the same or be in the same areas, maybe at different times of the year, but needing different baits but they're uh they're gonna act pretty much the same so i usually just look for slack water or you know some kind of hard cover oh yeah it's usually a like current break or something like that
0: yep i'd like to try them on a fly rod too i know i've heard that was been you know a lot, yeah a
1: lot of fun <laughs> i have i uh took out a buddy he caught a couple off of beds this year up there which was pretty cool
0: oh really wow
1: um, nothing big but yeah yeah so that was cool he, he wanted to see if he could do it and he ended up doing it, which was which was really cool.
0: Good for him. Have you ever tried it on a fly rod or no?
1: No, uh, I would say I've fly fished twice before in my life. So okay, and one was down on the uh, in the ocean. So
0: yeah, it's one of my personal goals for 2021 is I gotta try to pick up a fly rod. I've had a couple different podcasts where I've had some guests on here and they've challenged me and encouraged yeah. me to get out there and do it. So I've, I told myself this year I'm going to do it.
1: <laughs> good for you yeah it's uh we went on our me and my wife went on our honeymoon um we called bonefish which was really cool oh yeah which i guess is like really sought after in the uh, fly fishing yeah. community but uh i don't know man you can't beat a smallmouth on a, on a bait casting rod really
0: yeah exactly what's your favorite way <laughs> to go for them like you know your like your favorite time of year your bait or you talk a little bit oh about definitely
1: that. uh my favorite time of year is definitely in the spring okay uh it just seems like they're super active and it's getting warmer instead of colder. So it's getting easier to catch them instead of vice versa. As of now, it's goes from a hard time of year, at least for me to, there's like a little window in the fall where they're eating a lot, which was this past weekend. Um, and, uh, but in the spring, it's usually good for months on end. Um, but I like, I love spinner bait when it's windy. Or a drop. I love a drop shot. Drop shot. Big, big uh, spinning reel fisherman for sure. Uh, a lot of guys like him on the baitcaster, caster, which I do for certain things, but that spinning reel is just fun.
0: I love the drop shot too, especially like you were saying in that that springtime or when that water's super clear, especially, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you, well, I don't think you have, but when I was up there, there was two winners in a row Actually, three three winters where the bays froze over, which is kind of somewhat rare up there. I mean, it's got to right. be it's got to be pretty cold. But anyways, when that ice would break up, and you know it would still be late May, you know early June, that water still ice cold, and you haven't got too much wind yet. That water was like crystal, like beyond clear. Like it's clear right now, obviously all the time, but it's like really really clear. And to sight fish for them and throwing drop shots at them and just seeing that aggressive nature, like you said, if you can get them up in the shallows or on those those rocky shoals and all that kind of stuff, yep it was it, it was a blast.
1: Yeah, being able to just visually see them is that's probably my favorite way with a drop shot finesse fishing them in the shallows. Yeah, you can just watch that black streak just moving across, coming to eat your bait. And you just get to watch everything visually, right? See how they react, and um, if you're not doing something right, then you can adjust. But uh, yeah, if that water's pretty unbelievable especially i'll fly my drone up quite a bit when we're on some clearer water and it's just cool to see all the contour changes or the color changes in the water just anything sometimes i mean i've seen we've i've seen uh fish get caught off beds and um it's pretty cool to see
0: yeah um so how did you get into the photography side of things like what when did you pick up the camera for the first time or her, or have you always been into photography
1: no, I mean, uh, I haven't really ever been in photography the past, I don't know, I'll say three years. I kind of got interested in, um, about two years ago, I think it was about two years, two and a half years ago. Uh, I was with a buddy, we were trout fishing and, uh, up in the pigeon, uh, state forest up in Gaylord area. Oh yeah. And we went out and it was just an awesome day. It was beautiful out kind of like this past weekend, just warm and perfect temperature we went and caught a bunch of brook, brook trout and then on our way out you know this it was the sun was setting and we looked into this field and there's there's elk up there there's wild elk up in the Gaylord area
0: yep i know exactly and, where it's uh, at.
1: yeah and we saw one and i just like that moment right then and there uh i was like i need to have a camera i have to get one tomorrow like i bought one the next day online on eBay <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I have to have, I need to be able to take a picture of that. Um, yeah. So ever since that moment, I went, I mean, the next day I went online, bought the cheapest base camera I could get, which I still have and, and use, um, which is what a Canon T six. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that thing.
0: That, that's a, it's, that's a workhorse for a lot of people getting into photography.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think there's, there's a, it's a great camera. Um, there's, there's certain limitations you have and that's, that's about it. Um, just in terms of your ISOs and stuff like that and shutter speeds and really just the, uh, the ISOs. But, um, yeah, so since that time, since that moment, literally that moment, I still remember all the time and, uh, that just solidified that I wanted a camera and I never thought I would be taking pictures of say Kevin Van Dam or Mark Zona or filming for certain people or the Bassmasters, I didn't even think I'd ever film, but um, I bought that camera solely for taking pictures of wildlife. And I did that every single day. I went out and took pictures of deer um, in my parents' property when I was living at home. Um, And just, it kind of just grew from there. Started taking pictures of random products for hunting and fishing and kind of went up from there. But yeah, in hindsight, or not hindsight, but in correlation with going out and looking for wildlife, Right before deer season, I ended up finding giant bucks in our property and, and pattering them mm-hmm. just from taking pictures of them. So that was that was really cool.
0: <laughs> oh, nice! You're just out there yeah. spending a lot of time in the field, and you learned a lot, eh? Right?
1: Yeah, I learned a ton. I mean, I learned a ton about just watching. I mean, I should go in the winter and just sit and watch ducks and just take pictures of them and watch how they they act and uh, knew when they're gonna fly. I uh, knew when they were gonna, you know, flap their wings and just get and out of the water. I knew when they were gonna uh, do like their little bird bath, I guess, in the water, they splash water on their back, and then they get up and flap their wings and dry off. Um, it was it was just cool to watch interactions like that, and I solely bought it just to have pictures of of wildlife, just to have those memories.
0: And well, then it, I mean, you threw out some big names there. We can't blow by that. So <laughs> I got to hear how in the hell did that progress into. Like, did you know KVD ahead of time or before or how did that happen? No,
1: no, I knew, uh, just through, through family friends and through, uh, their boys. Uh, they, um, they fished in the, there's a bass fishing circuit that I used to do in uh, college. We had like a bass fishing club there and, uh, I was kind of in charge of it with another couple other buddies and, uh, I, I met Zona's son through that and, um. it kind of just blossomed from there. I went and just took pictures of them one time. Um, and turned out Mark was there. So then we talked and, uh, kind of formed a relationship. And, uh, then from there, I just started, um, trying to promote myself on social media. And, um, a couple months later after working with Zona and Ed, with his kids, they, uh, I kept on trying to reach out to Kevin cause I would see he was up, up North, um, in Traverse. And I was like, Hey, I live here. Let's, I'll just come out and let me just take some pictures. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And really I didn't have, I had no
2: idea. You what, had no idea. What, eh? what, uh, <laughs>
1: no, nothing. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing with my camera, <laughs> but I was like, I could do this. And, uh, then after about a year, I finally got in touch with them. And, um, then I started working with both of them kind of around the same time. Um, it just kind of went up from there. Now I'm good friends with both of them and their families and, um, shooting with Mark on, on this Friday, doing some stuff for his show. And, uh, it's just, just crazy. What stepping outside your comfort zone can do, uh, meeting people. I mean, I remember, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. No, keep jumping. I'm crazy. (laughs) I'm intrigued as hell. So keep going. Yeah. So I remember about I still have a picture on my phone but, uh, about six years ago. We were at a fishing show in Grand Rapids, and oh, like yeah. I said, I, I helped run the yeah
0: the ultimate fishing show. The,
1: yeah, I helped run the uh, Central Bass Club. We, you know, quote unquote, the vice vice president, and uh, um, we ran the show there. And Kevin came up to our booth and met all the college anglers. Man, I didn't say a word to that guy, and it's just surreal that picking up a camera take pictures of elk turned into me being friends with him and his family and um uh, and and zona and all these other opportunities it's it's crazy. it's weird to think about
0: <laughs> that's wild man but you know yeah. like you said it's it's those it's weird how it works it's those leaps of faith like you said outside your comfort zone and yeah man i'll tell you what give you an example is this, this podcast when i started it, i had no. I had no idea what the hell I was doing and yeah. I didn't know who my <laughs> guess would be. I didn't know. I mean, the people that I've talked to, um, you know, many who I have followed or have idolized growing up, things like that. And, uh, you know, a, a lot more in more so in the walleye world for me, mm-hmm. but just to get to talk to them and reaching out and like, you know, sending a message to see if they would reply, and they would get back to me, i like, Holy shit. They got back to me. Now I really got to, I actually got to get my shit together and, you know, interview them. But, um, it, it's moments like that. If you don't do it, I think the regret would be a lot more looking back on it later on down the road. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Now that you said, I remember the exact scenario of how I got in touch with, uh, or kind of how my name got brought up to Mark and, um, this coincided with me going and taking pictures at his house. But the first time, uh, I went and messaged a guy named Jim Root. He has a TV show named Real Bragging Rights. Okay, um,
2: is that michigan a, based or what? No, New York. Okay,
1: New York. He has a. It's on the Sportsman's Channel. Okay, and uh, he gave me my first like real opportunity. He's like, "Hey, do you want to come film for me for my TV show?" I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> I was like so nervous. I called my buddy. I was like, "I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what to do here." And obviously, I said yes, and I went and uh, helped f- film like i don't know. say two minutes of the TV show. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was going to end up just taking pictures most of the time, which I did. Did you bring, and, uh, did you
0: film with your DSLR? Or did you bring a certain type of camera for that? I or? brought
1: mine, Okay. but, uh, I had a five D at this time. Okay. I just got one. Um, but it's not really the best for filming. It, it works for certain things, but it's not the best for filming, but, um, I ended up using his camera, which was, lumix gh5 it's a mirrorless mirrorless yep lumix but
0: i'm familiar
1: yeah um anyways i did that and took you know i took i took five thousand pictures in a day and yeah and he and i sent him 400 so you know there's so many you go through and you're like "Ah, i don't like those i like those and uh it's like i only ever get 10 from people or whatever, you know, ten to twenty. I was like, well, I just <laughs> I like taking pictures.
0: <laughs> I was rapid so, fire, uh, buddy. I was just firing. yeah,
1: just firing away. But uh, <laughs> and then from there, it just blossomed into him telling Zona about me because he knew him. He's buddies with him, and um, then the connection was made between the you know family members and me, and um, but yeah, that's how it really got blossomed. Was Jim so a Ton of credit to that guy. I still help him t- now with you know certain companies and. He runs uh, Stormar. So yep. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, some other companies. He uh, runs their social media for. So, but yeah, he's he's helped a ton just getting into it. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty fun. That's next wild. week. I'm actually heading to shoot the Bassmaster College Bracket. And which
0: so so you're free? Are you you're, you're freelancing now? Then right?
1: Uh. On like when I can get the days off of my full time job.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the future. Okay. Maybe I I might be uh, just a freelancer, but I don't know. I who knows? I I never planned on doing any of this, so it's kind of just take it as it comes. Like that you know, kind of deal. But well, um, no,
0: you yeah. got to You got to jump on these opportunities, no matter how big or small, right? Because you're still yeah, exactly. like you said, you're starting out and you're trying to you know what it sounds like you are make a good name for yourself and yeah for you know you're you're already up there with uh you know the mjs in the of the bass fishing world so (laughs)
2: which
1: is pretty cool you're
0: doing and you're doing well there
1: yeah and those guys zona and kevin those guys are i mean what you see on camera with zona is exactly what you get all the time (laughs) and it's so funny (laughs) you don't you don't stop laughing the whole time and uh which is cool to see and then kevin's just a genuine just wants to help human being just a good dude
0: that that's good to hear man because sometimes you don't know i mean especially someone like kevin van dam who's i mean you know bass pro sponsored and nitro boats and everything else you're just like whoa you know yeah he's one just like everyone else
1: i mean it's it's pretty unbelievable yeah i mean yeah he's there's nothing different about him than say you or me if we were gonna all go get a beer you wouldn't notice any difference no cockiness at all um yeah he's just a helpful helpful dude he uh yeah just a good dude well, that's good we actually good another cool some other cool people i got to meet <laughs> uh and i don't like just dropping names but i thought you might think this is no, cool uh yeah he kevin asked or told me that uh luke brian and johnny morris were coming up to <laughs> go fishing and traverse bay so i got to meet them too get the hell out of here uh, pretty cool (laughs) no no, i didn't know Luke brian fish
0: fish let alone came to traverse city to fish huge fisherman that's wild man
1: yeah and he was same thing those him and johnny are the nicest guys i've ever met you know with all the fame and whatever money they are and people they meet they're down to earth
0: so he's hunting and fishing and loving every day
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was cool to that's, see that. That's a country song, really, everybody. Really if you cool don't to... know who Luke Bryan yeah. is, that's a country song.
0: It's one of the ones he sings.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, uh, yeah, they're, they're really cool people.
0: Damn, dude. That's cool. Good for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome moments.
0: So I want to kind of get into, or, or I guess before we do that, I got one more question. Mm-hmm. When did you know that, or what moment, I guess I should ask, when you were like, hey i'm gonna give this a lot of attention. i'm gonna kind of go all in on this you know this new hobby of mine if you want to call it that when you had your canon t six yeah, what was that moment, or was there like a photo or a photo session where you're mm-hmm. like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna up my game here
1: when my first time I had a company share a photo online like a like uh gander outdoors, okay, when they shared it, I was like
0: back can you can you walk yeah. us through that photo or what photo that was or yeah kind of so, to talk about the day of I, shooting it all that kind of stuff
1: yeah i was actually with ironic enough the same guy i was with that the day i decided i wanted to uh get a camera when we saw the elk okay <laughs> and then i was with another good buddy and uh we went fishing on uh, or not fishing we went waterfowl hunting on uh, saginaw bay oh yeah and uh the water was 33 degrees and uh just remember this part because I had waiter, I had some waiters on, mm-hmm. but they had holes, they had holes in them.
0: Oh yeah. I've been there brother.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we were standing out there, you know, waist deep, 33 degrees. I'm out there just taking pictures most of the time. Um, and, uh, it was foggy and he had a headlamp on and, uh, the light just came through the fog perfectly. And I took a picture of him, you know, f- fake shooting at some ducks and, uh, <laughs> And it just turned out to be a really cool picture. Uh, and now I could, you know, not to my own horn, but I think I can make it a lot cooler. But that one picture kind of, like you said, solidified my mindset of, hey, maybe I can do something with this. Maybe I can get a free t-shirt. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what it was going to happen. I was just taking pictures for fun. And uh, I was like, hey, maybe I can do something with this. And then I just started taking it more seriously. Whether I was going to, pursue it at all or not but um yeah cool. now i'm pretty pretty much all in on it no that's that, for sure
0: it's those moments that's why i was curious to have you break it down where it's like yeah you, you know the details so well and whatever that pursuit is in life you're just like you know what i'm gonna give it my all or i'm gonna give this a lot of attention and you know take it yeah. to the next level kind of thing
1: yeah so. and I, i've never even thought about that so thank you <laughs> it's cool to think about but yeah i'm just, the other part is I've had a lot of good friends to help me out with pictures too they take their time and you know we create stuff or take time out of our hunting or fishing just to take pictures so
0: how did you how did you learn the the ins and outs of a camera like finding your way around it i'm yeah i'm for me i'm like i said I'm shit compared to you but <laughs> what I have learned over the, the, I'd say the past year and a half where I've, I've found myself taking better photos in my mind, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what anybody thinks on social, but what, what clicked for me or what helped me was really living in manual mode. Yep. And forcing myself, even if I took crappy photos to really say, why was that crappy? Okay. Let me go back and figure out what I should have did differently Um, you know, I was watching YouTube videos. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was really diving into, um, the camera basically, you know, living with it, you know, it it was always on me (laughs) and I was taking crappy photos and, you know, learning from that kind of talk about how you learned how to do that. Or I'm curious to hear about your process.
1: Yeah. So fortunately my mother-in-law is a professional photographer. Oh, so that is a huge she does portraits and school photography and stuff like that, you yeah. know, like headshots. So she knows, you know, everything about manual mode. Um, so she she really helped me get started with my T6. She's she's a Canon shooter too. So um, that's huge. I mean, she's been the reason why I learned all this stuff. Um, and I started just automatic mode. I didn't even know what autofocus was first time I went out. Okay. I just, Started taking pictures of a deer and uh, and I was like, why is it blurry? <laughs> it was really cool. I got like ten feet or like ten yards from a ten point, but it was kind of blurry. So I was like, uh, I got to figure out what that is. And then she told me, you know, autofocus. And then I was like, oh, that's what that means. And then uh, I got out of automatic and went to I think it was TV, um, which I never, I don't use that stuff anymore. But um, I really went kind of straight from automatic to, to manual. Um, like I said, she's been a huge help. Uh, she gave me a little booklet. She has, she teaches a camera class and just to get the basics of a camera. Um, and that helped a ton. And then another thing was YouTube. Like you said, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I mean, I watch YouTube every day
2: still. And
1: just, I try, I try and learn one thing and I still take terrible pictures all the time. It's not like every picture that comes out of my camera is great. I, I'm good at editing, not fantastic, but pretty good. But uh,
0: what do you use?
1: Lightroom. Yeah, baby. And and I try and go in and out of Photoshop because the coloring's a little different on there too. Okay. So I like I'll edit in Lightroom and then go into Photoshop, and then you can uh, do selective coloring, yeah. kind of just like in Lightroom. But it's a little di It's
0: it's. I'm a terrible more at Photoshop, man. I'm so terrible. Yeah. I got. Oh, I'm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's something that's like when I, every time I open it, I'm like, damn, it's, I don't even want to learn it. Like it's just too much for me, but maybe I need to get into mm-hmm. it. Mm.
1: There's, I just watch a YouTube, just watch basics of of Photoshop on YouTube. That's, I mean, I, I don't know much at all. I don't, and I don't like to try and fake stuff. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple fake photos of, uh, quote unquote composites, but I, I think they're just fake, but, and they turn out really cool. I'll use it to, you know, get rid of things on someone's face or, you know, something, a blemish, but I'm not going to super alter the picture or I try not to. Sometimes it's cool too. And knowing how to is a good tool to have. But I try and, I try and create stuff naturally, like with lighting and uh, just lighting in general and the scenes and try and be creative in that aspect. But sometimes it is cool to have Photoshop to alter a picture, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just... It's cooler to get it by creating it in its natural environment. but uh, that's satisfying. So learning, I, um, like I said, I went from automatic to manual. Um, and then teaching, teaching camera classes because I got pretty good pretty fast with it. Mm-hmm. Um, something just clicked or I, d- I just would mess with everything. Like I said like you said, you take terrible pictures and then eventually you just start getting better and better. Um, and like I said, I would go and watch ducks for three hours and take pictures of ducks in the snow. <laughs> so, uh, just putting that time commitment into it is a, is a huge part of it too. Um, but YouTube is probably number two behind my mother-in-law of teaching me. I mean, Peter McKinnon, I don't know if you've watched him. Oh yeah. He's, he's pretty popular, but yeah, he's, he's pretty good at explaining it. You know, I guess, quote unquote, uh, dumbing it down for everyone i mean it's just he does some really good work on that and then um that's the guy i watch the most i still watch him um
0: he has a uh, he has a very great personality and easy to listen to um yeah exactly and once you watch enough of his videos you can kind of fast forward through the stuff where um you know you're going to get into the meat and potatoes or whatever you're trying to learn um yep. he's also a cannon shooter i believe still right
1: yeah, which helps a ton. <laughs> right. That's
0: what I was gonna ask you next question. Was yeah. um I wanna start I, I wanna talk a little bit about, you know, let's let's give everybody talk about the T six, okay? So like if I if I was brand new to, to photography or I or I've never I'm gonna go buy um a camera and I wanna get into it, what sure. would you recommend?
1: I would say the T six or another base model, a kit lens is what they call or a kit camera. Okay. Um a camera that comes with you know, two or three different lenses. Um, that kind of covers, you know, from wide angle to a telephoto. Um definitely a T six and I bought mine straight off of eBay, which is, you know, it can be risky. It's a camera, so there can be glass damage or whatnot, but um, you know, I bought mine for three hundred bucks. Sometimes I think they run like seven hundred now, like Best Buy or whatnot. But I would I would go with a kit camera. Um it'll cover all the bases. And once you can not really master it, you don't need to be a master of that camera. But Once you understand the basics and um, if you find out you're truly interested in it, then you can go and upgrade from there. I mean, if you're not going to, you know, unless if you're not going to try and uh, invest into it or spend tons of time with it, there's no point to go up from there. But if you want to try and make something out of it or just have a side hobby or, just a hobby in general, then yeah, you should, uh, upgrade into a more professional, uh, full frame instead of a, uh, crop sensor, which is, um, the T six.
0: Right. Explain, but, explain it to folks. So like what he's describing to you guys right now, <clears throat> when he says crop center or crop censored, um, you know, and then versus the full frame, that's when your price difference starts to go up significantly. So his entry yeah, level that, was a crop sensor kind of describe about, you know, why or wh- how is that different
2: i
1: don't I, I don't know i guess the the difference i know between the two is when you have a crop sensor it's literally taking your picture and it's cropping it so it's zooming in so right uh i have a lens that's a 70 to 200 if i put it on my uh full frame frame camera it's a true 70 to 200 if i put it on my t6 it's uh, it's 70 times 1.6. Right. And then 200 times 1.6, which can be very cool for zooming into stuff.
2: <clears throat>
1: it's a great way to cheaply get a bigger lens. I, I mean, there's yeah. – and uh, I mean, that's, that's the difference I know that it's literally just taking your image and cropping it and quote-unquote zooming in.
0: And – do you see any difference in the quality of the photo? I mean, you are giving up some megapixels right there right?
1: Yeah, yep, yep the megapixels are lower um you're uh, the the biggest thing I see is the quality of the image okay. after you get to a certain point with ISO, which is just when i when I look at ISO it's the brightness of the photo um, that's how how I look at it it's, t- it's turning up the brightness in your photo
0: right. Um, anybody listening to this, the way I kind of think about it, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Cause again, you're, you're probably, yeah. you've got a better grasp on this than I do. It'd be like someone, you know, slowly brightening the light on whatever object that you have or you're, you're interested in. So going up is going to make it, you know, a lot brighter, but then you're going to lose, yep. you're going to lose clarity on that at some point. Um, if it's, you know, if it's dark outside or dimmer outside and yep. you're cranking out the ISO too much, that's when you start to see those photos that might be a little bit more grainy, right?
1: Yeah, it's like it's like a dim, dimming switch for like a a light in your room. Right. So, the higher ISO, the brighter it's going to be. Okay, um, that's the best way to put it. For you know, in my mind, yeah, that's how I see it. No, um, I'm, and I'm not the most technically sound photographer. There's going to be people that are super well in tune to what each thing is defined as, but that's just in my mind. It's uh, turning up the lights. Huh. Theoretically. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and this is really good. Cause this is the kind of stuff I wanted to get into for anybody listening yeah. to this in, you know, just rewinding a little bit when we were talking earlier about, um, you know, learning how to shoot in a manual mode, can you tell yep. everybody, you know, what you have control of or the three main things that you have control of in manual mode versus something like, I don't know, you know, aperture priority or automatic or whatever.
1: Right. So, uh, automatic, in a camera is going to be, the camera's deciding all the uh, proponents of it for the F-stop, the shutter speed, and the ISO, which is your three main pillars. But when you go to manual, you have control over all three. So I think of it as like a stool, like a three-legged stool. If they all have to be in balance for you to properly sit on top of that stool. Right. So your, your shutter speed is, you think about, um, the faster your shutter speed is, the the faster your subject can be moving. So if you want to capture a bird flying, your shutter speed is going to be, you know, one over, let's say a thousand. I'd probably be a little higher, but one over a thousand. Um, and then if you want to shoot something like a landscape photog- or a nighttime photographer photo, you'd be uh, at like 10 seconds. So it'd be the opposite way, um, which is going to absorb light for 10 seconds. And then the other aspect is when you're taking the picture of the bird, it's absorbing light for one one thousandth of a second. And uh, so it's capturing crisp movement. And then the other aspect, it's taking in light for 10 seconds. Right. That's so For th- 30 seconds or whatever you might have it at. And then the F stop is kind of like, I think of it as my, that's like, ah, there's two ways to describe it. So there's one way is the lower your F stop, the, I think of it as like an eye, like yep. an opened or closed eye. Yep. So when your eyes barely open that's your f-stop of like 1.8 um and then as you slowly open your eye wider and wider that's when your f-stop will go up more light will come in or not more light will come in more light will be taken out I'm not explaining this right
0: basically uh, you'd be able to see more so like if you're after your f-stop yeah, you of 1.4 or 1.8 it's like tunnel vision, but the more that you go up, the clearer that you can exactly. see outside of it. So, you know, if you're shooting a landscape, <laughs> you kind of want your F stop to be a little bit higher cause you're trying to grab everything in that photo to be crystal clear.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Kind of. I mean, that's the way I think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to expl- I shouldn't have put the light in there cause, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's not right. It's just, it's just your depth of field. Right. Is what it is. So it's like, Nowadays, you have portrait mode on your iPhone. Right. That's like a one point eight, and then you go to back to your normal mode on your iPhone. It's like a f ten. Right. It's just your depth of field.
0: No, but you were right because every th- you know anybody listening to this, anytime you change one of these three pillars that he was talking about, it affects the light of your photo in some way. Yep. And you, and you'll be able yeah. to see that in real time on your screen. So you're like, all right, I'm going to dial my my ISO up. Okay, now that photo is blown out. You know what I mean? Or If I, if if I F stop down too much, it's getting too dark. You know what I mean? So like exactly what you're saying, I know exactly what you're talking about with the light and everything. Everything affects the photo. So that's why you have to really think about your subject or what you're trying to shoot before you, before you go all in. And that's what, that's what, you know, help you cut your teeth and that's what's helping me cut my teeth right now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they all, like I said, it's a three seat stool or three pillars of, Photography of basics is that they all work together. So if one is blown out, you can say your iso's up at like 3200, and you want to make it darker, you can either take the ISO down or you can mess with the other two pillars and try and even it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I've always thought of it as there's three pillars, and that's how I was taught by my mother-in-law is that uh, they all work together. If one's out of f- balance you can mess with the other two to get it back um to a clean looking picture now if certain things are too high like your iso um your picture is going to get very fuzzy and blown out and um not have a good quality to it
0: here's a selfish question for myself um uh-huh. you've been getting re- well i think you know some of your nighttime shots are really good um mm-hmm how do you get the focus to say, get the stars or whatever it is without the whole photo, just being out of focus. Cause you got to have some kind of focus right before you take, yeah. that, take that photo. How do you do that?
1: Yes. So, uh, I'll take a flashlight and I'll turn. Cause I always use live view on my camera. That's another thing I'll want to talk about too, but, yeah. um, I'll use live view. And if you don't have a touch screen, this will make it harder, but, um, take a camera wherever you want to focus or not a camera a flashlight and, and focus your camera wherever that flashlight is or wherever you want to focus it put your flashlight and then once you get it focused let go and turn it to manual focus immediately so then you can turn your flashlight off and then you can take your picture for however long you need so then you'll have that focus wherever you want it now if you want to do the stars i, I never do the stars because i always have a subject in it but if you want to do the stars you zoom. You can either go to live view and go to the uh, zoom, which is the little magnifying glass. Right. At least on my Canon, and zoom into a star, and then try and use your touchscreen or your uh, shutter button uh, to focus on the star. Okay. I don't normally do that ever. I usually just I have like a boat or a hunter or or a truck or something, and or a an, uh, landscaped object where I'll focus on that
0: um i'm looking at yeah, one so of I your photos it. you did good on the stars looks like <laughs> a boat with two talons on there and you've got the sun setting and the stars in the background looks like grand traverse Bay. yeah
1: that was yeah that was com- that was actually south lake leonard oh was it <laughs> That we launched real quick just to get that picture it was the yeah. there's Comet neowise in the, the top somewhere It was just kind of smaller yeah but, i can see it um but yeah that's uh i focused on the boat but if you turn your f-stop up enough it'll focus i mean obviously the stars are really far but it'll still give it a better focus than you have to stop at 2.8 or 1.8 but um yeah the the biggest thing i can say is get a flashlight and use autofocus and then switch to manual focus or use your flashlight turn into manual focus and then actually manual focus your subject into view okay Um, and then from there i mean you can play with the settings. And I normally start at like 30 second picture Okay. at F stop at like five and then ISO at like 800. Everyone has their different yeah, uh, their settings, sweet spots, but I just yeah. start there. Yeah. I start there and then, you know, um, if it's too, too much light or too much movement from a subject, then I'll try and go down. But, um, the, uh, another piece of advice you're doing that, you can, I do a thing called light painting. Okay. So once you start taking the picture, say for 10 seconds, I'll take a flash. You'll take your flashlight or any light, any light. You think of. And just like, I just posted one of a truck.
0: Oh yeah. I see in it. a field. It looks, like, it looks like there's star, a light going. Yeah. Like a yeah, shooting stars buzzing by you.
1: Yeah. That's just my phone. I just turned my phone on and I wanted to light paint the truck. And I turned to my phone and didn't turn off the light in time. And it came out cool. <laughs> so that's just doing stuff like that. Getting, I call that getting lucky, but Um, just doing stuff like that and just messing with it. I mean, nighttime photography is fun because there's no right or wrong. Right. Like you do a portrait picture. There's usually a standard guideline or outline of it, but you go do night photography. There's nothing right or wrong with it. You get to be super creative with that. That's why it's one of my favorite, one of my favorites to do. And then another one is... (laughs) And sorry if I'm talking too
0: much, but no, that's what uh, that's what that's what podcasts are for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um another one I like to do is you know, like NASCAR shots with where everything's blurry but the car? Yeah. Well, I try and incorporate that in anything. Like uh someone walking in a field about to go hunting or whatever. I'll turn my shutter to like one over 40, 1 over thirty, mess with it. Okay. And uh then you gotta mess with the other two legs of you know, the F-stop and the ISO, but then once you find your sweet spot in there, um, just start moving with the subject.
0: So, so, you're, so you're following creep. along with them?
1: Yep, okay. following along the subject. And whether you're standing somewhere stationary and moving your camera as still as you can, because 1 over 20, there's going to be a lot of motion blur. Okay. And uh, if you get it right, your subject will be clear and everything else will be blurred looking like it's motion
0: and you're staying you in auto focus on your subject so it's following the subject yep. along okay gotcha
1: but sometimes you can i mean if they're gonna be in a straight line and perfectly parallel to you then you could probably turn it off but that's i usually don't okay i usually keep it on autofocus. but you know if i do that in boats that's how you get like that super clear looking water on the side of the boat i'll do that a ton um standing in the front of the boat or the back or from the side but that's always a fun shot to do but just getting creative with you know kind of incorporating movement with long or long exposure so um yeah it's probably one of my favorite things to do takes up a lot of memory and it is usually pretty slow
0: (laughs) no man i you know the other thing too i like about your photography that when i look on your instagram page is you you don't you don't have the same type of photo every single time you know how some like instagram pages you get on it's like that photographer mm-hmm. only does landscapes or that photographer only does close up portraits and that's it yeah i can definitely see on your page that you're experimenting with a lot of different things and i think that's refreshing and unique and it makes mm-hmm. it um what am i trying to say it makes it so not boring to the viewer If that makes sense, where I, if I go to Brian's page, I'm not just going to see a bunch of portraits or I'm not just going to see a bunch of really zoomed in, um, you know, high def photos on little tiny subjects. You know, each photo, again, what, what I try to do, and this is very cliche and you hear every photographer say this is like, what are you trying to tell your your audience or whoever's going to say like, why am I taking this photo this way? You know what I mean? Right. Like tell them the story or whatever it is. That's yeah. Everybody yeah, says that, that, but it's very hard to portray behind the camera unless you get really good at it and practice it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, pr- I appreciate that. That's what I mean. Actually quite about it. a lot. Cause, uh, I try and be unique. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty, uh, I feel like I'm a different, different human being. I'm just a, not a weirdo in a bad way, but just like, just a goofball. But, um, and not a bad way.
2: Right. A good way.
1: <laughs> but, uh, I just, I think that that has helped me a ton. You kind of, um, I know this is a huge cliche too, but a cliche, but, uh, you know, you kind of work towards your weaknesses and kind of growing up. I just felt like I was, a, I don't know. just, a, a weirdo, right. not in a bad way, but right. like, different, uh, yeah. I just, yeah, just a different, different dude. And, um, now I've come to grown it, I've grown into it and it's kind of, helping me with the photography thing. Cause so I have different ideas and some people and, um, you know, my favorite thing to get is when a photographer asks me, what's that in a photo? That's my favorite thing Okay. that they don't, they don't know what it is. It just makes me just excited that I've came up with something creative enough to fool someone else. Right. That is, uh, in the realm. But, um, yeah, that, that means a lot that you said that it was, uh, all different. Cause I, you know, I'm super, I'm a huge critic of my own work and, uh you know sometimes you look at a page and then you look at someone else's and it's not good for you but you know you uh critique yourself against them and try not to do that but uh it's refreshing to hear that from someone else so yeah that.
0: yeah man you bet and uh uh few more questions for you here yeah um you know so again getting back to somebody listening to this um mm-hmm. tell everybody what's the camera that you shoot personally right now I
2: sh- I shoot
1: the Canon 5D Mark IV. Okay. Which is kind of a staple in Canon. It's uh thought thought as the one of the best photography cameras Canon's make made or uh I like think any other company, I don't want to say that too far, but uh it's a it's a workhorse. Kind of like you said about the T6, it's it's a phenomenal camera. I'll probably never get rid of it. Um it's the only limit it has is for video like 4k video um it kind of turns into a, a crop sensor then but um for photos it's you can't really beat it okay um yeah it's it's a phenomenal camera
0: if you were to give a recommendation to three <laughs> lenses that you're like i never leave home without it there mm-hmm. must have for people to you know to maybe at least take a look at and, you know, yeah. a, again, another thing, and I bet you'll agree with this, but just from my experience, the camera does a lot and the, and the camera is going to give you great photos, but if mm-hmm. you're going to spend the extra money on something, mm-hmm. would you agree to throw it into the lenses side of things rather than the body? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The glass is most important for right. sure. Right. Yep. Um. Yeah. The Yeah. The hands down, the glass is more important. I mean, there's limitations the camera will give you with clean your photos will look but that lens is super super important because i mean that's the first thing that that moment is captured by that lens so you want the best thing first Mm -hmm. for sure um
0: so give us three recommendations that yeah three lenses so you would throw out there the 50 millimeter
1: 1.8 that's a phenomenal lens it's like 125 bucks and uh i actually lost mine so
2: Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah knows. i
1: sent it into canon i sent it into canon to get fixed and uh neither of us can find it so oh damn that's a yeah that's a great lens because it's only 125 so is that glass um, too
2: yeah it is yep. glass. okay
1: yeah it's a phenomenal it's it's a plastic body the new uh mirrorless lens 50 millimeter 1.8 isn't but it's metal but the body is plastic in the ef lens which is just the normal canon lens uh but yeah the 51.8 phenomenal it's shallow depth of field um takes great photos and like i said the price point is perfect
0: does it have is uh, on then, it or no
1: no no okay i wish none of the only lens i have that is is the well i bought a 24 to 105 but the 70 to 200 has it but okay but anyways, the next lens I'd get is a 70-200, to 200, the 2.8, yep. if you can. I mean, it's an expensive lens, but it's it's awesome. It is probably one of the best lenses that Canon makes. Um, it's, it is kind of pricey if you can get the 2.8. If you can't get the F4, that's still a great lens. Um, like I said, it's just going to be your limitation on lighting, how late you can shoot and... In regards to your shutter speed as well, but the higher f-stop on the lens, the uh, late the earlier you're gonna have to stop shooting. Just your limitations. And then uh, the next lens is, I'd say, wide-angle. So uh, the I think it's the f- 16 to 35, okay. 2.8. I don't own it. I own the 17 to 40 f/4, but if I could own it, I would get the 16 to 35, uh, 2.8.
0: Is that another pricey one? Now you're
1: talking, yeah, it's a pricey one. Are you talking more on a budget side?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I think with any of these lenses that he's saying, um, you'll you'll find out that there's a there's a high end one that's like three thousand dollars, and there's going to be one that you can maybe afford for eight hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So I think folks folks can kind of just. I was yeah, I was more looking at like the range of like what's a good one. You know, like you said, like the 50 mil is always a workhorse and it's a great lens for folks to learn on. And then if you're getting into something and you're going to, you know, further reach out The 7200 is great, you know, that's what I would kind of wanted you to do, which is perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a wide angle, a telephoto, which is that 7200 and then a prime lens, which is just a, like a 50 millimeter to 1.8.
0: Yeah. The the wide photo is something that I need to invest in. And I'm, I'm a Sony shooter right now. I'm uh yeah uh i i have dabbled in i i've i do ha- still have a canon um i have a canon 80d which yeah. i i really like and that's the one that i kind of learned on um for the yeah. most part but then i i i got a screaming deal on an a6500 so i haven't shot full frame yet which is going mm-hmm. to be my next step up of what i want to get into um yeah. so i don't know if yeah, i'm going to go i don't know if i'm going to go sony or if I'm gonna, it's do, hard do Canon or what. But
2: I've
1: been, because I, I need to get a video camera, so I have been debating on waiting for the R5 to get fixed from Canon or go to the Mark III One DX. But man, those are pricey.
0: Yeah, they're pricey.
1: <laughs> I don't really want to pay that much.
0: Yeah, I mean everything, but. like anything, any kind of hobby. I mean, it, it starts yeah. to get wild. There's lenses out there yeah. for like ten grand. You know what I mean? You can get yeah real,
1: the eight hundred millimeters and yep. I would love to own one of those, but that's way too much.
0: Well, cool. So what, (laughs) what what advice would you give to someone, um, just kind of in closing when it comes to, yeah, you know, Hey, start here, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and then, you know, keep, keep, keep hammering kind of thing.
1: I mean, start with a, if you're just getting into it, start with a, uh, camera kit or a, yeah, camera kit. And, uh, get camera like a t6 with the multiple lenses and then um, start in automatic mode i would like to say just go straight to manual but just working with the camera just taking pictures and getting a feel for um, if you really want to progress in it or not but um just start in automatic and then when you're ready uh go go straight to manual mm-hmm. you can research what the av and tv is on the Canons or I can't remember what it is on, uh, I think it's a and P or T and P and Nikon. And <clears throat> I don't know on Sony's, but, um, just, just skip. The, uh, if you can go from automatic to manual, you'll be very happy. It's going to, your pictures are going to suck in manual at first, but, um, it's worth it. It's when you have full control over the photo, it's, it feels a lot, feels a lot better and you feel more in control. So, right. um, and like I said, I take, if I go and shoot for someone, I'll shoot four to 5,000 photos and I'll send a hundred. So it's not like I don't take terrible photos, but, uh, I take enough where, um, there's good ones and,
0: uh, yeah, this is, this is a little hot tip too. And I, I learned this the hard way is, you know, you're out there spending money on lenses and cameras and stuff like that. You got to spend the money too on the SD cards a little bit because you can buy oh, man. low quality ones and your photos you're going to be like is it me? Is it my camera? Is it my lens? Or you yep. can buy ones that are decent and then you'll see your photos get a lot better and you're wondering why you know that 64 gigabyte little tiny piece of plastic is costing you 50 bucks or whatever it is. There's a reason yeah. for it is because they're going to give you a higher quality image. So what one do you kind of recommend for folks to to, to buy
1: uh, there's there's a middle of the road one it's a lexar i think it's a uh 250 megabytes a second um read read speed which is um how fast it'll pull stuff off the card onto your computer um and then the write speed it's usually how fast it'll read on read on your camera so when you take a picture how fast it'll take that uh information in that's a solid one i think it's like depends on the gigabytes you get but i think it's uh 60 okay i don't think it's much more uh, and then there's one on sale right now which is one i use because only some cameras can only take like the dslrs or the sdxc just a normal sd card can only go up to 300 megabytes per second for a write speed okay um, and when you're shooting raw photos uh you want the fastest you can get because mm-hmm. after a while just holding down the trigger it's gonna I'm out and it's going to say busy cause it's writing right. to the SD card. Right. That one's on sale for a hundred bucks right now. So, um, normally it's 200.
0: Oh damn.
1: Yeah. So if you're shooting raw photos, you want, and you're shooting high speed stuff, you want as fast as you can get. Okay. And, uh, there, it, 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 hurts, uh, buying those.
0: That's for sure. What's that one again called?
1: Oh, uh, it's a Lexar. I have a Lexar professional
0: okay I'll try to look that up everybody and leave it in the show notes that way you guys can see which one it is yeah
1: it's it's phenomenal and I can I'll send you a message with it on there but um yeah that'd be for SDs I'd start you know kind of like a uh, middle of the road SD card don't get anything that's like 90 megabytes per second Um, I mean you can 4k records in 90 megabytes per second on most cameras but uh the faster, the better. Okay. Um, and like you said, better quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to spend that 50 above dollars on whatever yeah. it is. Cause it's, it's what you're going to need. Um, yeah. And then sure. the last thing I you were hitting on it a little bit and you're like, I want to talk about it was live view. Can you tell yes. the importance of yep. shooting in live view?
1: So I use live view probably 80% of the time. Um, for the fact that if you don't have a mirrorless camera and you have a DSLR, you can see what your actual picture is. You can see the real-time photo. And the biggest thing for learning manual, if you have live view, is you can mess with the settings on it, and you can see how each pillar of the chair, the f-stop, the shutter speed, and the ISOs, the ISO speed is uh, how it changes the picture. That is the biggest thing. In real-time, right. Right in real time you can yeah. see exactly how it changes your photo yep. and that is probably the biggest thing that taught me how to use manual was live live view
0: now and i i see it, mine through my viewfinder can you see that through yours yeah. on your on your canon or are you looking at the back like the square sc- uh LCDs? the square
1: screen yeah, okay. yeah see okay. you have a mirrorless right right 6500 yeah. yeah yeah see on the dslr's they you can't see that okay through that uh through your viewfinder so that's the downfall of a dslr so you can't see that so if you have a mirrorless you can just look through there and look through your viewfinder too and see the changes as well which is super beneficial yeah
0: yeah i enjoy that that's that's one thing i've I've really liked now that i've had it you know but Mm -hmm. to go back to my canon it's it's a lot different but um you know another workhorse out there. Just given my point of view from yeah. you know, a, a camera that I've had is if anybody's uh, you know at the store looking, I think the Nikon D850 is good too. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a that's a full frame. It's a great entry full frame. Um, yeah, and it's a the Nikon's been known for taking or having you know great photos. So anybody listening to this, that's another one. If you're if you're looking to get into um, a full frame camera, um, I suggest the, the Nikon D850. It's, I don't have it personally, but I did, uh, rent it for a day and I loved it. Yeah. So.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's, there's so many cameras out there, even just getting a point and shoot camera. Yeah, And, um, honestly, before I started getting, before I bought an actual DSLR, I would edit, you know, just on my phone, just, you know, just edit pictures on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had the drive for photography before that for about I think I was doing that for a couple months before, but, um, just seeing, you know, you can change stuff on your phone, you can download apps on your phone and, um, where you can control the F stop and the ISO and the shutter speed. So maybe check out a couple of those. I don't know any of them off the top of my head, but, um, you know, just being able to see how those three correlate within one another is probably one of the biggest things you can learn for photography for sure.
0: Thanks, man. Well, Hey, thank you for taking the time to, yeah. you know, to explain a lot of this to us. I highly suggest folks, um, you know, follow along with you. Where can they find you at or what kind of a uh, handle do you want to throw out there for f- folks to come, you know, learn more yeah, about you? For
1: instance, usually for Instagram, I post almost every day, but, uh, Brian Evie underscore photo. Um, and yeah, that's where I post most of my work and, um, working on a website. So, Hopefully soon it'll
0: be out there. Cool, man. Well, hey, everyone follow along. If you like bass fishing, if you just like the outdoors, he does more than just fishing photos. He's got duck hunting, deer hunting, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, just like storytelling behind, even if it's just getting up to the hunt or getting up to the fish or getting up to the cast. There's a lot that goes behind it. And Brian does a great job of capturing all that prior to, um, you know, the actual event or whatever that is, catching a fish or shooting a duck, but it's awesome, man. Keep up the great work. I'm a huge fan. And, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. You Hope be, you have a good night. Yep. You bet, buddy.
0: You just never know folks. You just never know. Brian Evie, everybody. That was awesome to get to know him and hear his story about how, you know, just picking up a camera and making the best of it and putting the time in and practicing and always being, you know, having that camera in your hand, what it can do. And it can lead you down new paths and open up new roads for you. And yeah, my hat's off to him. He takes great photos. I love following on his Instagram. He's got some pretty cool shots on there. I highly suggest you guys to go check it out. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. But. Yo, in the meantime, please head on over to uh, Instagram, uh, Freshwater Bite, and also on the Freshwater Bite podcast page on Facebook. Give it a like, give it a listen. Um, Go to iTunes or Spotify and, you know, cypher through some of the old episodes and the new ones coming out and subscribe. I really appreciate you guys being here and listening to all my podcast episodes and the show. Uh, I couldn't do it without you, and I really appreciate your support, so...